Welcome to Doe Valley Ministry, where you can find faithful teaching and preaching of the Word of God. Here's today's message. This morning we're looking at John chapter 17, verses 1 to 17 and 26. This is Jesus' prayer. John chapter 17, verses 1 through 17. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those who have given him. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. And glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father, to protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world, so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. I have made you known to them, and will continue to make you known, in order that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. This is the word of God for us today. So we see here, this is Jesus' prayer for us. One of the most encouraging experiences as a Christian is to be prayed for by someone else. And not only to be prayed for, but to be prayed with. When someone prays for you in your presence, something special happens in your heart. You feel warmed and encouraged. There's a sense of intimacy both between you and the other person and between you and God. It's like you're knocking on heaven's door together. It is one of the best ways to build relationships between Christians and one of the surest ways of ensuring unity in the church pretty hard for division to exist and take hold when people are praying together. Maybe you've experienced that. While we do have to pray for one another, I believe firmly that we ought to pray with one another more. 
It is one thing for us to pray for and with one another, to bring our brothers and sisters in Christ before the Lord in prayer. But it is quite another to realize that in Jesus we have someone interceding on our behalf. And did you know that Jesus prays for you? Do you know that he goes to the Father on your behalf? Listen to the words from Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Consequently, he is able for all time to save those who approach God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Romans 8.34 says something very similar. It is Christ Jesus who died, yes, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed intercedes for us. In our gospel lesson here this morning, which is Jesus' final moments with his disciples before being arrested, Jesus prays for his disciples, knowing that he will be leaving them. Praying for them is the best way to prepare them. Jesus prays for three things on our behalf. He prays for protection, he prays for sanctification, and he prays for oneness. Jesus' first prayer for us is a prayer for protection. Jesus asks the Father to protect us. He, prayers, he prays, Holy Father, Protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. A little later he prays, I ask you to protect them from the evil one. The word protect could also be translated guard, and this is a helpful way of seeing it. Again, what are we being protected? From what? Jesus asked that we receive protection from the evil one that we would be protected when faced with temptation, opposition, persecution, things like that. He takes as inevitable that we will face such things. But he doesn't ask that we would be removed from these things. As Jesus says, I do not ask you to take them out of this world. But while we are in the world, he wants us to be protected and guarded. The world that we translate here as protect and guard can also mean to preserve. Jesus wants us to be preserved while we are in the world. Jesus' prayer for protection is a prayer that the disciples would remain in and be shaped by the revelation of God that they have received through Jesus once Jesus is no longer physically present. Jesus says, protect them in your name that you have given me. This is the same as saying, Father, help them to remain true to what they have received from me. No matter what they face in this world, no matter how the evil one attacks them, help them to remain in me. Preserve them, protect them, and guard them. The purpose of this request is also to ensure the unity of the faith community, which mirrors the unity of Father and Son. As Jesus also prays, protect them in your name, so that they may be one, as we are one. It is for the preservation of this unity in the face of the cosmic power of evil that Jesus seeks God's help. The church's life is therefore entrusted to God. What God is committed to do is to preserve the oneness relationship that exists between the believer and Jesus. Nothing on earth can tear us away from our Lord. Jesus' second prayer for us is a prayer for sanctification. Sanctification here means to be made holy. 
And being made holy means being set apart. Jesus wants us to be consecrated for service. It has to do with being set apart for the purposes of God. Jesus is praying that we would be set apart by the truth of who he is for the purpose of being sent into the world. We are in the world, but we do not belong to the world. Being holy, sanctified, and consecrated means that we belong to Jesus and that he has set us apart for a purpose. Jesus is asking his Father to set us apart, to consecrate us for the purpose that he has for us. This mirrors what Christ has done. Jesus is asking God to do for the disciples what he has already done for him, set them apart for God's work in the world. Just as God set apart his Son for a mission in the world, so Jesus is asking that the Father would set apart his disciples for God's work in the world. As Jesus says, As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Sanctification is not about living a clean or perfect life, but an obedient life. The attraction of the world, the weakness of the flesh, and the onslaught of the devil are daily battles. It involves a purifying of the whole life of that person or thing to the service of God. In the Old Testament, it usually conveyed the idea of making something sacred, usually by the burning of the sacrifice. It does not mean to purify as to purify from sin. Jesus purified himself even though he had no sin by setting himself apart as a sacrificial offering to God so that we, his followers, might also be pure and holy. Sanctification is not about avoiding or escaping the world but yielding and surrendering to God. Being set apart does not mean we are stored away. Jesus' third prayer for us is a prayer for unity. What does it mean to have unity here? Well, it doesn't mean that we agree on every single point of doctrine. It doesn't mean that there is only one denomination. But it does mean that we are united in confession that Jesus is the Son of God. It means that we confess in a united way that the Father and the Son are one and that the Father has sent the Son into the world and revealed who the Father is. The importance of oneness and unity is emphasized over and over again in our passage. Protect them in your name that you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I ask not only on behalf of these but also on behalf of those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one. The glory that you have given me I have given them so that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one. This is not a unity we can achieve by our own efforts. Our unity emerges as a result of our remaining in Jesus by focusing on him. A.W. Tozer in The Pursuit of God asks, How is it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other. They are of one accord by being tuned, not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking away to Christ, 
are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. So I have sent them into the world. The purpose of Jesus' prayer, his prayer for our protection, his prayer for our sanctification, his prayer for our unity, is so that we would be prepared for being sent into the world. Jesus doesn't ask the Father to preserve merely to wait until Jesus comes again. Being set apart does not mean we are stored away. Jesus says, as you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. We are preserved and protected, consecrated and made holy and made one and unified so that we can continue Jesus' work in the world. For we are in the world even if we are not of the world. And while here there is something for us to do. Jesus' work was to reveal the character of the Father, to show his love for the world, and to live out his love for the sake of those who believe. Jesus did this preeminently by going to the cross, by giving up his life for others. In other words, only by loving one another can we hope to be an effective witness in the world. Just as Jesus' sole purpose and mission was to be set apart for God's word in the world, so the disciples are to be set apart, sanctified, made holy for God's work in the world. Jesus was able to do this because the Father loved him, and he loved the Father. They are one, and they glorified the Father, and, and the Father glorified him as a result. This is why unity is so key. Our witness and being consecrated for God's work has as its specific content a love for one another, based in the love Jesus has revealed to us. This love becomes evidence to a godless world that Jesus was sent by the Father. And that is what we are called to be, a witness. Jesus' prayer for us is not that we will simply be protected until he returns, but that we also are sent just as he was sent. We have a mission, a share in his mission, and only through the unity of love can we live out this mission. This is Jesus' prayer and his request that we be protected, sanctified, and unified are all the purpose of being a witness to the world. The disciples, us included today, continue Jesus' mission in the world. We have been commissioned. The reason unity is crucial to witness and mission is that in a world defined by conflict, broken relationships, dysfunctional families and fractured and nearly non-existent communities, such unity would indeed be a sign that God is at work because no human effort could accomplish it. The love that we are to show the world is to mirror the love the Son shows us. That is to say that our love for one another has to be a costly love, a sacrificial love, where we are willing to lay down our lives for one another just as Jesus did for all of us. That is also what it means to receive glory. Jesus received glory by proceeding to his hour. His glorification includes his death. In following Jesus along the same path, we too will receive glory. Lastly, it is very important that we recognize that this passage is a prayer. Jesus is asking his Father to accomplish all these things. 
He is asking his Father to protect us. He is asking his Father to sanctify us. He is asking his Father to make us one in heart and mind. These are not things we can accomplish. We cannot preserve ourselves. We cannot sanctify ourselves. And we certainly cannot make ourselves one and create unity amongst ourselves. Jesus entrusts his disciples to God the Father. And so should we. All of what Jesus asks of his Father here can be summed up in what he says at the end of his prayer. I made your name known to them, and I will make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, and I in them. Love is the key. When love prevails among believers, especially in times of strong disagreement, it presents to the world an indisputable mark of a true follower of Jesus Christ. That is what we are called to do. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, for always being there for us, even when we do not sense your presence. We know that you are praying for our protection, our sanctification, and our unity. We ask that you continue to use us in this world to show your love to others. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen.